Mike's Video Game Podcast. I miss you, Mike. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mike's Video Game Podcast. I'm Mike Geig. And I'm Mike Wu. And welcome to episode unlucky number 13. Baker's Dozen. Baker's Dozen. <laughs> That's right. The haunted episode. <laughs> we should have called it just like 12 and a half or 14 or something. Mm-hmm. We should have just skipped. Mm. That would have had the added bonus of making it seem like we had one more episode than we actually <laughs> do. So, yeah, oh well. So, yeah. So a lot has uh, gone on. I actually had hoped to record this last week, and then you know how stuff goes, yeah. and it was just terrible, and yeah. And so we are here, and just kind of, well, I, I would say as we promised, but we've really talked about VR every episode uh-huh. the last, like, I don't know how many times. So in this episode, guess what? We're going to talk about more VR. Um Mostly, well, I went to the Vision Summit, you know, and then, you know, you've had some experiences with VR and presentations on VR. So VR is kind of on the tip of everyone's tongue right now. It's what everyone's talking about. Yeah, I think it's it's the biggest exciting uh, shift that we're going to see in digital computing and in entertainment. And so that's why it's also a huge opportunity for the industry to introduce new concepts, new people, new centers of development perhaps even Cleveland, um, you know, there's no reason why now we can't break the uh, the stranglehold that Boston, Austin, L.A., San Francisco, and Seattle, you know, those five cities in the mm-hmm. U.S. basically control all of gaming. Um, but now with VR uh, being so dependent on engines like Unity or Unreal, which mm-hmm. are freely available now, so super cheap, um, I think we're going to see a lot a lot of new activity throughout the the country. So that's for me. I think that's why VR is worth talking about. Yeah, such length. It's the that's the biggest thing since that Nintendo robot that would move <laughs> Rob. discs. Rob, yeah, yeah. I have a Rob. You have a, at mm-hmm. your house? Uh, not here in Seattle. Packed oh. away. Yeah, it's easy for you to say that because there's no way for me <laughs> yeah. to verify that. Because yeah. if you had it here, man, uh-huh. I know what I'd be doing right after this. <laughs> going to play with Rob. <laughs> His uh, he had these um. Discs, little box, right? yeah, they yeah. were tops. Yeah. So you put the top in these little boxes. Um, mm-hmm. They had a hole that you would put the top in, and they were driven by D batteries, and they would spin up the top to super high speeds. Like it sounded dangerous. Like a blender was like, like a really high pitched little, yeah, yeah, irresponsible speed. <laughs> and then Rob's little clutchy hands would grab onto the top of the tops and then move them mm-hmm. to locations, and you would drop them on top of these. Uh, levers and then the levers would go down because the top had gyroscopic stability it would keep the lever pressed down um, but then you'd have to get Rob to pick up the top before it died you know it ran out of juice and put it back in the spin you're making this sound way more hardcore than it's I hardcore remember. yeah like, it was it hardcore it ridiculous speed yes it was dangerous it with his with back his in my day games had physical pieces that could hurt you that's right and he had to grab it and place it before it died <laughs> I don't know, I might edit this with, like, some Viking track <laughs> to the background. It's like, make Rob sound just super hardcore. <laughs> and, I mean, as I recall, you had to make a little professor move through a maze. It was sort of like Prince of Persia, but mm. super slow. And you could cheat Mouse the game trail. by just touching the, the levers, you know, manually, pretending you had the top. Those cheater kids, yeah. I tell you what. So, yeah, we um, – so – I guess we'll just start off. We can talk about vision here in a little bit, but let's skip ahead to mm-hmm. Monday. You came over and you had your first experience uh, with the um, the uh, Vive or Vive Pre. Mm-hmm. You want to call it the Pre Vive. <laughs> uh, so everyone who attended the Vision Summit got one of these, which was awesome. That is awesome. Gabe, uh, you should have told. You should have. Did you have any idea? Not. That was- I didn't even know. And. 
It's worth it was the our flight event. just to get that. Yeah, it was our event. And <laughs> yeah. I had no idea. And the thing is, so I I guess what we are talking about. Yeah. Um, so I was at the keynote mm-hmm. um, and then I got a message. And so I stepped out and I was responding to the message. So I was like, you know, I'm going to run back to my hotel room real quick, drop my bag off and everything. Yeah. And then while I'm in my hotel room, I'm looking at my phone and Twitter just starts going nuts uh-huh. about – I keep seeing these memes about Gabe and Oprah. And I'm <laughs> right. like, what? And apparently while I was gone, I missed that, that Gabe pulled a total Oprah. and was like, you get a vibe. You get a vibe. And, and so everyone in attendance got a vibe. So That's great. It's awesome. And that was like a week and a half ago. Uh-huh. And I've what, already got what, like 20 people show up to this thing? Uh, 1,500. Oh, shiza. Okay. That's a lot of, <laughs> that's a lot of, a lot of dev kids out there. Yeah, that's now. a lot of dev kids. Um, yeah, it was, it was a well-attended event. But so I got it in like a week and a day or two. That's, that's beautiful. It was yeah. impressive. Yeah. And uh, so it's all set up and you came on over Monday and uh, tell us about that. Yeah. So I didn't know really how it would differ from my experience with the Oculus Rift. Um, I was really impressed with the Oculus Rift uh, when I was able to uh, see it out in Seattle. Was it the DK1 or DK2? It was the, uh, what, are, what do they call the, the DK2? The, the one past that, actually. The, the consumer version? Not the consumer version. They had a funny code name for like a DK2, but it was a little bit Crescent better. Bay. Crescent Bay. Ah, that was or, like the quote-unquote DK3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crescent yeah. Bay. So I had, had yeah. experience with uh, Crescent Bay, um, thanks to our friend named Bernie over over there in the Seattle office. And um, it's really good, mm-hmm. right? And you've used it. So yeah. you know it's it's uh, really good. The I was excited to experience um, room scale, mm-hmm. which is the, the ability to walk around a, an actual physical space, not just um, be more or less fixed in space because, you know, you can't see mm-hmm. where you are in physical space, real space, so you could hurt yourself if you walked into a wall or something wearing an Oculus unit. Um, uh, but with the, with your Vive, you have these cool little laser boxes, mm-hmm. which you could see representations of it in the virtual world until the simulation started running. Yeah. So you could, like, get a real... It was like being in the holodeck from Star Trek. Sure. And then um, you still have the chaperones when you're in the yeah, game. Yeah, chaperone being that blue grid. wire framey like a representation of the physical space that you had mm-hmm. pre-marked uh, uh, for us. So we're in this like little corralled area to be safe. And whenever mm-hmm. you got too close to the edges, it would kind of pop, uh, pop up and let you know. Uh, every once in a while when you got too close to the border and you, that would pop up, it might break the immersion a little bit. But mm-hmm. I was thankful for it uh, because you don't want to bash don't yourself into Break your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and I have so I, this is currently set up in the minimum space you yeah, have. Yeah, we're in my basement, and, and uh, it's a low ceiling, tiny little basement. Yeah. So it's not optimal, but it was still a it's still amazing how much. Yeah, yeah, it was a fantastic experience. My mm-hmm. wife also happened to be visiting that day, and so she's not really into games that much. She's a, she's a casual gamer, mm-hmm. uh, likes mobile platform a lot. She's a doctor. Yeah, she's a doctor, but you know she likes <laughs> way too serious. Yeah, for, she likes for no, games. she loves puzzle games and she likes strategy <laughs> games. Yeah, she's not a console action gamer by nature mm-hmm. um but she loved fruit ninja connect well you can't it's all right disclaimer uh-huh. it's not fruit ninja uh, you're right yeah. so you have a Don't get you sued, have a demo anybody. that's not fruit ninja it's called ninja trainer it's and ninja there trainer. just happens to be fruit it happens want, to be fruit that gets cut with a sword <laughs> whereas fruit ninja you're you're using your finger or in the fruit ninja connect you're right. using your, your karate chopping things. you know with the, the 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 mobile game whatever you're swiping 2d plane right, right? and this is and even with the connect the connect you know, its accuracy is always been yeah, a little suspect, right. right? But that was one game that Quinn really took to. So when she saw that you had uh, Ninja Trainer, it's Ninja mm-hmm. Trainer? Ninja Trainer VR. VR. Yeah. Uh, she was like, I'll, I'll give that one a shot. Mm-hmm. And she was totally <laughs> into it. We have some oh, hilarious yeah. videos of her. Uh, 
playing it and um you know after the fact she was like that was actually a lot of fun mm -hmm. and so um i think this you would think that well vr it's a really niche thing it's not going to have a lot of appeal it's going to make people sick uh with this room scale mm -hmm. and the quality of the experiences coming out in these short demos uh, it's got mass appeal definitely yeah. has mass appeal well, the, and the moving around so i get motion sick very uh -huh. easily um and the moving around eliminates most uh, of any, you know, assuming the, the simulation is made well mm -hmm. enough, the fact that you're actually moving when you're moving in game makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just The it's only time different. I experienced anything that uh, resembled like a feeling of, oh, this doesn't feel right, like mm -hmm. a little bit of nausea, was when I would... Uh, crouched down so low that my head was almost touching the ground so that I could look at some so weird you thing. lost range of the lasers. Yeah, so the yeah. lasers were like, where are you? You're too close to the edge. And so you get a touch of jitter, like pixel jitter. Yeah. And that was enough immediately for your your body to say, get stand back up. Yeah, get out uh, of here. Yeah, and then you'd stand back up and recalibrate and you're fine again. Mm -hmm. Whereas in my experience of playing games with the Oculus unit, um, even though visually the quality of the graphics were exactly the same whatnot, mm -hmm. Uh, when you accelerate, when you jump, exactly. do those things, uh, you do. You start to sweat. You get mm -hmm. your heart races. I can only play really Oculus fast. games that involve motion if I'm framed in a vehicle. My mm -hmm. mind's totally fine mm -hmm. with that. Yeah. If I'm in a car or a uh -huh. plane or whatever, and I'm, my body's like, I'm not moving, but we're moving, I can do that. But you remove the, if you remove the steering wheel and the dashboard from my field of view. Mm -hmm. No, I, it's no. No, my I brain needs yeah, that yeah. anchor. Decades of being in a vehicle or playing mm -hmm. normal uh, television-based games, I yeah. think it's trained us to be able to do that. Yeah, if you give me a fixed frame of reference, like mm -hmm. a cockpit or whatever, I'll be okay. But yeah. without that, it gets harder. Mm -hmm. That said, my experience with the earlier Oculus uh, demos were... Uh, you know, it was basically traditional games content that people were trying to figure out how to make it work in VR. But they were just worried about frame rate. Right. They weren't thinking about acceleration or camera positions or things like that mm -hmm. uh, as much. Whereas these room scale experiences, even there, they really limited how much uh, player avatar acceleration, if at all, you mm -hmm. had. There was a lot of, hey, point there and you'll we will teleport you to that location. Exactly. Which I actually thought like, oh, that's going to be kind of immersion breaking. I kind of like, for you me, get into it. You yeah, get, you it's like it when yeah. I'm doing 3D modeling or when I'm playing an RTS, I'm just used to moving the mini map and like immediately teleporting. I like that now. Yeah. It's like, why press Efficient. forward for 20 seconds to get to that location to hit that button mm -hmm. when I can just bam, now I'm there and I'm hitting the button. And you're amazed at how many things you think will break immersion, but really breaking immersion is, is so much easier when that moment your immersion breaks, you look around. Yeah. And you look somewhere that's not the game. But with the headset on, there's nowhere to look that's not the game. So those moments that break immersion and where you just kind of look around a little bit subconsciously, it's only game. Right. And so you're right. I mean, you don't – it doesn't really break that easily. Right. And it's, so that's I'm very never helpful. Because you can't be bored when you are immediately, this is where I want to be and I'm there. You're never given time to think, uh, I wish, I wish mm -hmm. this game was faster. Or, And I'm always – in control of where I'm going to be going next. Mm -hmm. So I'm still making a decision. So my immersion doesn't break. I'm still in control of my own experience. I'm just 
I'm just a weightless avatar and I'm okay with that. I'm yeah. used to being a weightless avatar. And it's impressive how many genres it really translates to, mm-hmm. right? So we played that Ninja Trainer VR. Mm-hmm. We played that shooting game, the um, – Pirate, the, the Space Pirate spa- VR. The Space Pirates trainer. game. Yeah, uh, Space it was, Pirate It was another trainer. trainer. Yeah, yeah, Space Pirates Trainer, which got ridiculously fun once we figured out there was a blast shield. Yeah. Uh, like a concussive blast shield that you reach over your shoulder and pull it out. We were just like, oh, yeah. yeah. It, like, it, it's on now. Yeah, to give people uh, context, it felt like um, a science fiction version of being a Spartan soldier from 300, where we, you had a shield that you could I only had the one controller thing. on the first time, so yeah. I had one gun. We didn't know, right. And we then just, we yeah. happened to play with the second controller on. It was like, oh, wait a minute, you get two guns. Right. And then the second gun was like, there's a shield on your back. And you're like, wait, what? Right. And, you, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, my God, I can have two guns or a gun and a shield, yeah. and the guns yeah. can be different types. And the shield is... It's amazing how like you can shoot looking one way and hold the shield up to cover most of your body, the parts you can't see. Mm-hmm. So if enemies are flanking you, they're shooting your right. shield, you know? Right. Since people don't have the the uh, advantage of seeing you move your arms, just to give people context, like you have a controller in each hand, mm-hmm. a well-balanced track controller, control. tracking controller in each hand. Your left hand could either be a gun or a shield. And since it's tracking the controller in 3D space, not just your headset, but mm-hmm. the controller itself, you can move the shield down to, you know, to guard your thighs or up high to guard your head or, you know, down in the center to guard your body. Likewise, you can rotate that controller across your body to guard your front or leave it at your left to guard your left mm-hmm. or, you know, do all sorts of crazy things. Um so it feels extremely immersive. Yeah. I mean, I when I was down, I was like, I can never go back to playing a first-person shooter with a controller or a mouse and keyboard again. This destroys. It it, it do- does usher in an entire new realm of of esports because it's no longer about your twitch yep. twitch abilities with a mouse, but you can actually go out and you know play these games and and simulate firing weapons and simulate yeah. real tactics in a space and. You know, and I mean that that goes beyond laser pointer, airsoft, or um, uh, paintball because those are all facsimiles, mm-hmm. right, of modern day weapons, and they all have slightly varying characteristics. But I mean, what about the ability to like literally have a bazooka, literally have mm-hmm. a, a video game fifty cal machine gun mm-hmm. with infinite ammo, <laughs> right? Stuff that you couldn't even do with paintball, yeah, couldn't do with right. airsoft. You know, um, I mean, and then your real reactions, your real tactics, your real body position matters, right? And, and the thing that was just like, oh, my God, the thing I've always hated about first-person shooters ever since I was working on the first Halo is the game is simply putting something in the center of the screen and pressing in the trigger until it's gone. Whereas now it's like, well, I can position my head wherever I want, mm-hmm. and then the reticles for each individual weapon are be two, on the weapon. Are on the weapon and can be anywhere. I, so it was I, – I can't describe to people enough how – crazy it is to be trying to aim at two different targets simultaneously Mm -hmm. meanwhile you're looking for vulnerabilities things that are coming out so that you can switch to a shield and when enemies shoot at you you're sidestepping yeah because when they shoot at you time slows down so you literally can get out of the way way. yeah it is so you're moving and looking and using both hands you're crouching you're yeah and you're so space pirate trainer is definitely go grab that one if you have (laughs) if you have a friend or have the wherewithal to get a Vive mm-hmm. uh, pre or to you're, you've put one on pre-order, that's definitely one to get. I mean, you're going yeah. to, that's the game that, this is the future. Everybody come on over, play this game, and you're going to see what we're all going to be doing. And, and we're just going to laugh. First. It's the tip yeah, of the iceberg. We're going to be laughing at the way we used to play games. Yeah. And speaking of which, speaking of everyone coming over, mm-hmm. one of the things, so let's talk a second about the um, Steam VR platform. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Oculus, you know, Oculus experiences, Oculus games of the past have been great. I, you know, I enjoy them. Um, obviously, I don't have a consumer version of the Oculus um, to see it in its kind of final form. But you would queue up a game, you'd put on the headset, and everyone else would sit around and like watch you and kind of chuckle and whatever. But they they had really no idea what you were experiencing. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, we're just waiting our turn, or right. oh, look, yeah. he just jumped, or whatever. Steam VR projects what the player is seeing on your screen so we could watch you play both you and in context mm-hmm. by looking at the screen yep. and seeing exactly what you're doing or be like oh no no it right, was over there right, look at right, that look right. at that or no go grab this or no right. go do that or you know and so it made it much more social and i'm, I'm not suggesting that that won't be a feature of the oculus rift you know and oculus rift will probably work with steam vr mm-hmm. and whatever um, however, that SteamVR is really the first we're starting to see of this, and it really adds a whole new feature because no longer are we just sort of sitting around waiting for our turn. We're, we, we're part of it yeah. now. We're watching you. Right. I mean, you're still watching someone else play, but at least you're doing that, not just right. sitting there. And plus, uh, these so far, these experiences haven't been like, hey, one person's going to be able to take control of the headset for the next hour. It's yeah. been like, hey, that was a fun experience. Now let's you know, trade off. So it, it mm-hmm. harkens back to the, you know, early eighties when you would play these Atari games and a game would only last a couple of minutes and you're like, okay, now it's your brother's yeah. turn. And you know, you get to trade off. So you could play like fantastic contraption for yeah. a long period of time. Yeah. And there's a lot of those right. bigger games coming, mm-hmm. but, but right now we're all kind of, since they're all pre-orders that it's we're a very, all in a demo yeah, yeah. level, which I, I really like the yeah. little episodic games. Yeah. I think these, what I'm getting at is um, right now it feels like a very fun social phenomenon is about to break, mm-hmm. which is the few people who have the good fortune to be able to have VR in their homes are going to have an opportunity to bring their friends together. And mm-hmm. ex- don't think it's like, well, it's just going to be one person with a headset on and it's like kind of a goofy, creepy. That's what kind of makes it fun. <laughs> I mean, it's like yeah. if you've ever had friends over to play, I don't know, Dance Dance Revolution or if you mm-hmm. had a connect that yeah. Just Dance or whatever, yeah. it's hilarious <laughs> watching the other people kind of make fools of themselves. Right. That's part of the fun. Right. And you know, again, along those lines, you know, while the Steam VR is great, you know, we can see what's happening and all this stuff. My biggest gripe with that is that my computer's in my basement. Mm-hmm. People have to come down into my yeah. basement. They have to kind of hang out around the corner because I have an L-shaped desk or mm-hmm. whatever. PlayStation VR is going to have a huge leg up in the social mm-hmm. VR market mm-hmm. because the console is in your living room or, you know, or in some social space. Uh-huh. It already has attached to a TV. It's not people huddling around a monitor anymore. Right. It's attached to your big TV, right? And so now, you know, you're in a much larger space uh, socially, you know, and my living room is certainly bigger than my little office area here in the basement. So you, you're going to, and the ceilings are higher. I yeah. mean, you're going to have a bigger VR space with a big monitor that or a big screen that everyone can watch, right? And it's going to be a console curated content. Mm-hmm. And I mean, guaranteed performance, right? Because mm-hmm. hardware is known, right? Right. And so the, a lot of the the what-ifs are taken out of the equation. But with Plus, it. Sony has a huge amount of experience with manufacturing yeah. of hardware and their audio scale. is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, nothing that I've seen on the Vive or the Oculus Rift or anything mm-hmm. else has come close to the, the audio that, that Sony has. Something that surprised me about Sony VR that I've read, mm-hmm. I've not seen the Sony VR uh, equipment yet. But I've heard that um, 
you know that that screen window screen effect that we get because you're using mm-hmm. lenses that are magnifying, um, basically like a, a phone screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the Sony VR has has a whatever a lens technology that makes it so that you don't see that effect nearly as much as with the other units. Oh, that's true. That's true. But yeah. I don't. Did you not notice the Vive has it too? Did you not notice that you didn't see? I noticed that. Well, remember, I'm wearing glasses. Oh, sure. And so, they were kind of smushed to your face. Yeah, there. so they're smushed to my face. So I could see some of those effects, you know, towards the periphery. So mm-hmm. you're saying it would be a comparable quality because the, the the lenses in the Vive are gigantic. Yeah. When someone takes them off, it looks like something out of um, like out of an anime sci-fi. Right, the super These bright bright glasses. white yeah. Cir- super circular thing. You'd think you're looking at a super soldier's <laughs> helmet or like what a stormtrooper sees when uh-huh. inside his helmet. It's like that. Yeah, that's what yeah, it looks no, like. So, yeah, the, so the, the sweet spots in the Vive are good. I mean, they're mm-hmm. great. You don't see the pixels, you mm-hmm. don't, you know. Um, PlayStation VR, same way with the sweet spots. I'm trying to remember now. I mean, I've used it a few times now. I don't, I, I guess I never really paid attention to the peripheral uh-huh. to really test like peripheral quality. Mm-hmm. But I will say that it was good enough that I didn't okay. didn't notice right, it, right? right? Didn't didn't make a mental note, didn't think look for it. So that kind of in and of itself speaks volumes. Um, I really liked the PlayStation VR controls as far as the actual controllers, the PlayStation mm-hmm. Move. Uh, however, now that I'm using the Vive, I'm, I'm thinking they might have the leg up there just for ergonomics of the controls and also super accurate tracking yeah. in a big 3D space, yeah. which, you know... Obviously, the PlayStation VR, the PlayStation Move is just tracked from a single camera in the front. And so, you know, if you were to put your controllers behind you, they'd be lost, right? But with the Vive, you put your controllers behind your back. Well, guess what? There's a tower yeah, behind you there, right, too. You're right, fine. Right. Um, and so it does a, a really good job. Yeah. Yeah. Something that was really – let's talk about those controllers because mm-hmm. – um, you know, you see them in photographs, but it doesn't give you a real sense for what it's like to hold one. Mm-hmm. Um, I was curious because uh, if you look online, you'll see pictures of them. They're like this long, um, uh, slender, mm-hmm. uh, kind of remote-like sword handle, sword almost. handle, almost like, but with a elegant um, trigger on the underside that fits perfectly naturally between your index finger and your middle mm-hmm. finger, and it's really well weighted, just slightly forward because mm-hmm. there's a big hoop. It's uh, counterbalanced, right? Yeah, so right. you you would it feels right if you were say holding um, a sword or a club yeah. or a stick yeah. or something like that, right? It just feels it's not going to fall out of your hand. It's very well balanced, but there's just a slight sensation of like, oh, it's like I'm holding a rapier or something yeah, like that. You exactly. Know? Um, uh, so it's very comfortable. I found that trackpad on the in this uh, for your thumb it's mm-hmm. very natural the the vertical and bottom or the the, bot, the buttons above and below the thumbstick sometimes you'd have to tell me it's the button below below and I'd and have to find you this accidentally hit the one underneath yeah. the touchpad which is annoying because that's the one that pauses right. the game right so yeah. the, those could use maybe a little nubbin or something to kind of indicate where they are but Slight otherwise movement is yeah. what I would do with them because yeah. where they're at right now is a little um, difficult yeah but. Uh, but then the thing that was really trippy is that when you see them in the simulation, you're in, mm-hmm. and they look, they're rendered exactly as they well, look. You in put real the life. goggles on and then I hold them up as I like, grab the controllers. Yeah, and, you're and like, you reach what? out and you grab them. And you're like, whoa, whoa, they're right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly where I would put my hand is where they are rendered in 3D, and they look exactly as they do in real life. Except for yours has some scruffs from hitting the ceiling. Low <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ceiling. Right? It's so easy to do. You're like, I wasn't swinging high. Yeah, you were. Um, you know, so about the immersion of the controllers, my favorite 
my favorite thing. So you were playing Job Simulator, right? right. And you look at the bottom of the coffee mug and you're like, oh, look, something's written in here. And then you literally hold the mug up to show me. And you're, I'm watching you. You're facing the wall. So you're holding your hand up showing this imaginary coffee mug right. to my door. And like, I would only know what you were doing. Right. Because what I, I should have done was pointed it to my own face so that I you could see I saw it when you saw it. I right. couldn't see when you right. turned it away because right. it's not real. Right. Uh, but it's... It's that thing. It felt natural. You right. picked it up. You're like, oh, hey, and you wanted to show yep. someone. And, you know, it's just it, it, something that's completely yeah. ridiculous. You don't right. even notice. It's just right. second nature. Yeah. The controllers are so well tracked mm-hmm. that if you say to yourself, hey, I wonder, and you touch the two controllers physically together, the, no matter how – you like the orientation is perfectly mm-hmm. correct. And the second – not even the second, the – millisecond the moment the moment you touch them physically and you feel the the wrapping of the two pieces of plastic together mm-hmm. you see it in front of you yeah it's completely and perfectly aligned it there's no inaccuracy it's, it's so that's trippy to see like you makes you think like i could sculpt mm-hmm. like very accurately in 3d <laughs> and then we ended up yeah there was uh, uh one of the demos you had where we actually got to physically sculpt things i wonder how long before people could stop putting the word or the letters vr at the end of their game titles uh-huh because there was Sculpt VR, Ninja Trainer VR, Blue VR. Uh, there was the Pirate Trainer VR. There yeah, was, right. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, VR yep, follows yep. every single title. Except for Sisters. You want to tell anyone about Sisters? <laughs> Sisters was a good one that to have friends about to share the experience. <laughs> it was with a them. scary game? Yeah. Yeah, with the, the creepy dolls. Yeah. There's some good scare um And that one's not even yeah exclusive to Vive or anything. I think Sisters is a PlayStation a, VR. Yeah. A lot of those games that you played are not right. exclusive to Vive, and that's kind of what the the cool thing about the Steam VR is is that it's built for VR headsets. So if a VR headset supports Steam VR platform, then you're good. So those games you played were Oculus or Vive or whatever, you know. Um, and a lot of the Vive games come with what you call sit down mode or stand mode, mm-hmm. where you're not moving around. And those are the experiences you'll have with like the play or yeah. the, the Oculus Rift. Yeah. Yeah. So very, very cool. And, you know, that's kind of the thing, you know, so now I'll kind of step back to the, the Vision Summit. That's kind of the stuff that we experienced at the Vision Summit, just all this new and exciting and universally applicable stuff. And I'll tell you the real value there, because someone there who was big into VR already was like, okay, so... What's the target of this conference? What because it was our first one, uh-huh. right? So what's the target of this conference? What what are people supposed to get out of this? And what's what's interesting is so if you had no experience making VR games, then the sessions were great, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people talking about the things they've learned and this and that. But the sessions were structured in an interesting way. The sessions were all a half hour long with longer breaks in between. It was all a very social event, okay. right? It was all about seeing the demos and, and this and that because really it's so early that no one really has a good how-to to share. No one really right. – like the things we learn, people get motion sick, about, you know, and like all this stuff that was like the session content was great if you are just starting out. But for the most part, what it all summed up is – or summed up to is that we don't really know – what's good and what's right. not. These are the things that didn't work. We'll let you know next year if, if any of the mm-hmm. new things we're trying do work. And, right. Um, I mean, even the the team that won one of our, like, best VR experiences or whatever was a father-son combo, and they beat out, like, everyone, <laughs> right? So all these teams, all these, like, 
you know, major companies, people putting money, mm-hmm. funding, and it was a, a father-son team made a, a Vive game, and that's that's what won. Yeah, it's, that's so exciting to hear because, yeah. again, it goes back to that that sentiment that virtual reality and augmented reality, um, maybe even West. esports, these yeah. are, yeah, these are opportunities for anyone to make a contribution for us to expand the industry, meaning that it's not because, oh, well, we have a pool of 100 artists already assembled and local to us. That's why we can make games at a level that nobody else can and we can succeed. It's like, well, when it comes to VR, it's not about having that you know that yeah. production quality. It's about do I have the best idea, the, the most innovative. Doesn't uh, matter how fast yeah. you can drive east if you want to go west. Right? <laughs> right. Like <laughs> you'll never drive fast enough. That's to why I think west. it's so exciting, and it's disappointing to read on forums. People, like, oh, it's too expensive. It's going to fail, or this is it. Just it's a gimmick. Maybe right now it's not perfect, but why would you want to shoo away the biggest opportunity any of us have to yeah. contribute or to engage in well, really, something brand I mean, new, wide open like this? That the people saying that don't quite get it because I mean the fact of the matter is is how long has people been saying like three thousand dollars for a high end gaming computer that's nonsense right not everyone's gonna buy this super high end VR mm-hmm. equipment the Gear VR is ninety nine bucks Google mm-hmm. cardboard yeah. few bucks I mean so you're gonna get levels of VR experience and. I guarantee you there's going to be a cheaper Oculus yeah. and a cheaper Vive, a more consumer-friendly version in the future. And, you know, things, probably things are going to come down in price. But, but yeah, I mean, high-end, right now, the Rolls-Royce of gaming hardware is expensive regardless if you're looking at VR or not. Mm-hmm. And so if you're saying, why would anyone buy this? Well, you already have your answer yeah. because people buy high-end gaming PCs or people don't. And so, you know, people are either looking for the maximum experience right now or they're looking for just kind of and experience, and there are already price tiers. I mean, the VR movement so far, I guess we'll call it a movement, it already has a head up because it has multiple tiers of engagement as opposed to just one, mm-hmm. right? So it's not like, oh, right now, unless you're going high-end, you're just not getting yeah. into this. No, it's we're, it's already established. The entire gamut of possibility mm-hmm. is already kind of there, um, and that's awesome. That's, that's an industry that's learned from the past, and said, "Hey, let's let's release a bunch of let's hit all these different uh-huh. markets. Let's let's kind of saturate, you know. Right. Um, and that's awesome because the more devices out there, the more people to buy software. The more people buy software uh-huh. means more people will make software. Uh-huh. And you know, right. the cycle it's a virtual continues. cycle. Yeah, exactly. I mean, to give people context, if if they weren't around, um, weren't lucky enough to, or maybe not, maybe lucky isn't the right word for it because there's a pros and cons of being old. Uh, but <laughs> for those who aren't old enough to remember the very first console generation, I mean, in order for our parents to bring a console... Are we considering home, Nintendo or Atari? Atari. Or even, Atari okay. and Odyssey and all the, the gotcha. 70s. Gotcha. 70s and 80s. Gotcha. Early yeah. 80s, right? Before the crash. Um, in order for a family to bring home one of those consoles... <laughs> 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 yeah. The beginning of time, the 80s. <laughs> a long time ago. Uh, it was what, like two hundred ninety nine bucks to bring home the cheapest of the consoles, and there were like six to choose from: ColecoVision, Atari, Magnavox, mm-hmm. um, Intellivision, uh, you name it. Uh, it was it was going to get a TI ninety nine, a Commodore mm-hmm. Vic twenty, Commodore sixty four, Apple two, II, Apple two E. Um, they're just a Tandy, like IBM PC Junior. Like I don't know, uh, but for the cheapest of them, the consoles, it was like three hundred bucks in nineteen seventy, nineteen eighty dollars. Okay, which is about a thousand dollars now. So think about like who would spend a thousand bucks to bring home an entertainment center? 
Well, because the alternative was an actual PC, which was about three grand. Mm-hmm. Dual floppy drives, a monochrome monitor. You 1500 for Google Glass. Yeah. I mean. $3,000 back in 1985 is like $10,000 now. Yeah. You know, so you, you could buy a Hyundai for that. So, like, would you consider, like, the fact that the whole industry that we enjoy was built off of a few early adopters willing to say, this is the future. This is important for myself, for my children. I'm going to invest in it. I don't know. I could be buying the wrong one. And a lot of people bought PC Juniors. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people bought Tandys. Um, a lot of people bought television um, or even you know, uh, ColecoVision. Time's going to tell on that one. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I do want to point out that of all the car references, Hyundai is the one you chose to equate <laughs> a computer in the 80s to. Uh, I don't know what that says about you, but I just wanted to <laughs> well, point I out. Don't, aren't Hyundai's very uh, affordable? I didn't want that. I don't know, but I don't know anything about cars, really. I just okay. My wife tells me when it's time to buy a car, and I do. Okay. Um, you could buy a Kia for that much. I was, about, I was just about to say, like, but it was just worth noting that Hyundai was your point of reference, yeah. and I, I don't really know. What when that I was said. coming up, if you could <laughs> only afford, if you wanted a brand new car, but you were short on cash, you'd have to go to the new manufacturer. Hyundai was brand new back in the '90s, I guess it was. Okay. Um, and they were trying to make it in the market. Um, anyways, <laughs> what my point is is that uh, yeah, the new platforms or the new paradigms do cost a lot of money, mm-hmm. um, but that doesn't mean they don't have a lot of potential. And that, I mean, if you were to look back in the 70s, like, well, if I go to a shooting gallery or a pinball machine, those are physical. Those are real, mm-hmm. real physics, you mm-hmm. know, not right, right. this fake 2D sprite-based gimmicky movement, like real movement. Mm-hmm. If I'm shooting a gun in a uh, shooting gallery, I'm using real 3D human vision right. to aim at the target. And, and possibly shooting an actual mini projectile to, to mm-hmm. hit the thing. It's much more real. Uh, arcade games uh, like Sub Hunter and stuff were actual physical uh, levers and devices. So a lot more dimension, um, mm-hmm. much more. So why would I play this very limiting on a television, 2D, boxy, limited in color, limited in movement? Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> you can sit on your couch. Yeah. But no, there's something fun about the disengagement from the reality. Mm-hmm. At least, you know, from my opinion, but I totally see right. what you're saying. But some yeah. people are saying the same things about VR. Well, it you can't move like you do in a first-person shooter uh, in VR. So it's limiting. It's not real like the games I'm used to. Um, uh, why would I want to do this thing? Time so will tell with but, the 3D treadmills and yeah. stuff like that, but for the time being, mm-hmm. certainly, yeah. yeah. Um, but, it, yeah, well, I'll let you. I assume that was rhetorical. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, at the same time, you can't see an enemy. You can't make eye contact with a virtual enemy. Mm-hmm. Know their intention from looking into their eyes and saying they're about to shoot at me and dive out of the way mm-hmm. like you can with VR. Yeah. Like you can't there, – there's no experience like that on a 2D screen. There's no – the uncanny valley of right. looking – having a character in a game look you in the eyes. Not look at the camera like you're uh-huh. used to when someone looks at the screen. In VR, look you in the right. eyes. It's super right. unnerving. Yeah. I, I would use the word unnerving because Uncanny Valley is like where it's like it's supposed to be real, but it's not convincing. Well, Uncanny Valley is, is so, where it's so real, but not quite, quite yet yeah. that it's really creepy. Yeah. Well, for me, VR is so real mm-hmm. that it that's why it creeps me up because I know it's not real. But everything, my every sense tells me, no, this is actually real. When that blue whale swims by you and mm-hmm. looks you in the eye and and then whooshes away. You're like, this thing could that, kill like me. that that was like like I swear I felt the current as mm-hmm. it 
flipped its tail. No, but that was just my mind saying that's what I should have felt. And that's when it becomes like unnerving. But whereas traditional games, you're like, that is made to look like a real character, mm -hmm. but it's so dead in the eyes that it, it makes me feel creeped out. And to me, that's the Uncanny Valley. Whereas here, it's like when I'm looking at an Oculus demo and this cute alien creature looks me in the eye and flinches when I flinch and then kind mm -hmm. of looks at where I'm looking. Oh man, that is so unnerving because it's completely convincing. Yeah. And I've never played a game where the other characters made me feel that. And that term, that's that presence term. Yeah. Right, yeah. so like you, so you came to that my talk about mm -hmm. VR, and that that's that concept mm -hmm. of presence. It goes beyond immersion, mm -hmm. um, which you successfully spell checked me on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I spelled the wrong immersion, uh, but beyond immersion, and you know, really past that to the point where you are building real memories in a real interactive mm -hmm. way because you're actually there, and you know, the parts of your brain that are good at breaking immersion by looking around. There's nowhere to look. They, uh -huh. they can't function in that environment. So mm -hmm. you're there. Um, you know, that's why I pulled Rachel up on stage while I was talking. Put She put the headset mm -hmm. on and then she shrieked <laughs> uh, when the, the, the train came at her, right? Because, uh -huh. like, you know it's not real. But even to this day, every time you yeah. feel it, yeah. every time. And when the whale flies by you, every time you feel yeah. it. So this idea of presence uh, segues into a, um, a thought I – discussed with my wife on the drive home when she okay. was talking about how compelling it was and then she says but you know what's going to happen I'm like what someone's going to make a porn with this going <laughs> I, to? Said, I said uh yeah i have a feeling you're right <laughs> um and she was like well, how's that going to work and i'm like it can work a number of ways All but, right. so so but it's going to feel really real and that's why it's going to be like it's going to be a weird part of the market and then she went had another thought but we can finish this the titillating well, so here's the thing is that a lot of people don't talk about this. Yeah. We all know it's going to happen. Yeah. We all, it's actually currently happening pretty <laughs> right. significantly, yeah. right? Like someone was suggesting that by the end of 2017, it'll be like a $1 billion market. I'm like, come on. Like by the end of 2016, let's, <laughs> let's give the perverts of the world some credit here. Yeah. Uh, they are resourceful folks. Um, so the thing is this, is that, you know, all forms of entertainment, mu music, movies, books, everything – is only possible because when you start enjoying something, the the front part of your brain, the one that tells you it's not real, turns off, mm -hmm. and the feedback loops in your brain start kicking up, and your brain starts receiving the signal from your sensory organs, but they don't have that, that front part of your brain to process it and say, this is something that I'm seeing as an image, it's not real. Right. And so that's why all entertainment is that way. That's why when you watch a movie, you get so into it and all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's two hours later. Mm -hmm. Right. Or, you know, that's why time flies when you're having fun. Uh -huh. Right. Uh, that part of your brain turns off and, you know, books, you're reading it, you're seeing it. You're uh -huh. not seeing words anymore. You're seeing it. Right. right. You play a video game. Last night I slayed a dragon. Well, uh -huh. no, you didn't. Last uh -huh. night you hit a bunch of pieces of plastic against <laughs> metal contacts. Right. Right. And the game <laughs> imagined you slayed right. a dragon. Right. And so to you, it's real. To your brain, it's real. Now, take it a step further mm -hmm. to VR, where you can't, for lack of a better term, you can't look away. Mm -hmm. Everywhere you look is the the world, the virtual world. That front, we, I just mm -hmm. mentioned that the front part of your brain has mm -hmm. a much harder time of, of booting up and mm -hmm. saying, oh, wait a minute, mm -hmm. right? And as such, the experience the whole time to the, every bit of you except for one small part of your brain is completely real. Right. And so there's there, there's been a lot of of interesting talk and in, in writing about 
VR, pornography, porn, whatever, <laughs> adult materials because it it is it's like the first bit where it really does kind of borderline make you unfaithful if you're 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 married or you're in a relationship, or whatever. Because for the first time, most of you is convinced mm-hmm. it's completely real, mm. right? Like even with like you know like videos and stuff on the right. internet, web page, pictures, whatever. A good portion of you, you know, knows it's, it's just not an real. image. I'm just, just watching a, an it's image. Just, it's like right, just some, right. some form of visual simulation. Right. But when your 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 hearing and your sight gets fully immersed, mm-hmm. right, and there's no other stimuli, mm-hmm. most of your brain engages as if it was a real experience. Mm-hmm. And so it's very compelling, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it's very unnerving, right? Right. And you know, there's tons of funny videos you can go out where they they take strangers, and they show them yeah. some VR porn, and like, what did you think about this? And most most people are like, whoa, this <laughs> is crazy, right? And then a few people, um, interestingly enough, most of them guys going. This makes me really uncomfortable. Uh-huh. I feel like I'm really being yeah. deceitful to my right. spouse, you know, right. my wife or my girlfriend or whatever at this point. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I can see that. It, bec- it feels so real. Now let's segue, um, uh, unless you want to talk more about yeah. smut. I'm just saying, it's yeah. just, it's interesting that it it might be to the point where it's so good right. that it's no good anymore. Right, right. <laughs> it's, it's like that point where, no longer an where, 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 where graphics, when we used to talk about computer games having like 256 colors mm-hmm. and 4,096 colors, and now it's like, it's just 24-bit color. It's and a little bit different I don't from the need scrambled any more color. adult <laughs> channels that used to be on your cable like, TV. It's just every color in the, in the world. And this yeah. is like, the sim- simulation is is completely uh, haha, faithful mm-hmm. to the experience, and so therefore it's deceitful. Um, so from the titillating from the erotic to the ultraviolet, it's mm-hmm. so real. Now imagine we every every combat-based experience we had, we were slashing fruit, we were shooting at a variety of different types of robots. Lots of games uses like robots. There's or a lot drones. of games that's even now that aren't robots. There's okay. a lot of zombies or, or okay. soldiers and stuff like that. Okay, but when we play, we have normal games now like Grand Theft Auto where you can mm-hmm. ha 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 drive a car, run over pedestrians. What's it going to be like in virtual reality when your brain can't tell that it's Well, I will say fake. this. I will say this. So kind of a little background. Uh-huh. I was in the army. I was in uh-huh. combat. You know, I'm familiar uh-huh. with those sensations. Uh-huh. The VR experiences are are realistic mm-hmm. to the point where people are actually using them successfully as a treatment for PTSD. Because hmm. apparently, and I did not mm-hmm. know this, one of the best treatments for PTSD is is making people relive the experiences, which gives them the chance to objectively stand back and uh, process uh-huh. as opposed to simply react on emotions and embed a fear and a um, uh, a helpless right, response. Right. Now and I can act on this again. Exactly. Yeah. And I can process and yeah. I can think about it rationally, which to me sounds like the opposite would be true. Like, uh-huh. why would I want to live through this again? But apparently that's like, that's really okay. good. Uh-huh. And so it's been great for things like PTSD and uh-huh. stuff like that. Um, or trauma survivors in, of any designation. Uh-huh. That being said, it's not that real. Okay. Right. So, I mean, Game experiences, fun, slaying dragons, slashing mm-hmm. fruit, swinging swords, whatever, fun. And 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 so to be completely honest, having if if you've have you ever fired a gun? I have. Mm-hmm. There's something severely visceral about the act of actually firing right. a gun that a video yeah. game 
does not right. There's the weight. There's, there's the, the concussion. Yeah, there's I mean, the feedback and the smell. I mean, besides yeah, sure. the feedback, yeah. there's literally the concussion that hits yeah. your chest. Yeah. It is a violent uh-huh. – it's a violent activity, uh, even if you're just shooting at cans, right? right. And right. so games, the hard, the hardware, it, it doesn't match that. It's, right. It's so – it's not as, I guess, horrifying to some extent. But for me, it's not about the, is the simulation of the gun so much, but the simulation of I murdered you. I put a, I ended the games your- Games don't do that very well either. In virtual reality, will they be more convincing? Like when, if I am, I could imagine, mm-hmm. right now I'm already uneasy. I don't play the Grand Theft Auto games all that much because yeah. I am uneasy when like, oh, I understand it's just a silly game, mm-hmm. but I don't want to hit that person. Uh, I'm the type okay. of person that like I, it's not so a fun I love fantasy. violent game. Yeah, it's not a fun fantasy for me to okay. go and hurt an innocent bystander. Yeah, like, it's fun to be an alien whomping on like, stu- like you know, like when Other I play StarCraft. Yeah, yeah. No, well, when or I play just, StarCraft, or, I play the Zerg because I love like oh look at the little little Marines and they're they, little they signed up for this. Yeah, they yeah. signed up for this, so I, I like it. But when it comes to like you know, innocent people in a realistic city, I'm not into it. So in VR, Certainly. I would imagine be even more like ooh. I don't ever play the bad guys myself. I, I, yeah, I, I totally get that. You feel yeah. super uneasy. Um, yeah, and I mean, it, it depends on a person's susceptibility. It depends mm-hmm. on a person's ability to fully detach mm-hmm. that, yeah, I mean, it could theoretically be bad. I'm not going to say it's not. I, I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm not a psychiatrist yeah. or whatever. But it's not the same thing as the real thing. I mean, which kind of goes without saying. But you're right. I mean, it But could, our brains can't, it, don't know that. Like if I've well, never if I've never shot a gun for real, if I've never killed another human being, that's true. And I play a video game that simulates that in VR. Well, I and I have a certain mental inclination. Inclination. We'll call it an inclination. Yeah. For like Could we end up like doing something harmful, especially say to children, for example, who don't have full faculties? I would say yes, but so could any medium. So could music, movies, bad parenting, but books. The pr- but the presence thing that you're talking about, mm-hmm. this is the thing that wor- that makes me worry. It's like the presence of VR, the part that says to your brain, you can't turn away. This is real. So versus in, in my any impression other of medium. It, my uh-huh. assumptions of uh-huh. it is that we're going to say there's two types of people. And I know okay. that's a terrible way to uh-huh. go about it, but we're going to say there's two types uh-huh. of people. Let's say we give them a completely realistic VR experience, completely uh-huh. realistic. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Most of society will play that and be like, that was awful. I don't ever want to do that again mm-hmm. because that's a person's normal response yeah. to a situation like that. The other s- smaller minority might be yeah. like, that was great. I feel amazing. I want to do that again. And those people are always – we're going to feel like that regardless. Maybe you could you could say chicken or the egg. Maybe uh-huh. the game was the catalyst uh-huh. that made them aware of this thing inside themselves. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they were already kind of, and they approached the game that mm-hmm. way. I, again, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty deep topic, but I could see there an argument for either way. And I, I suppose this is one of those time will tell, right? I mean, I could, I could remember or think back, you know, how long ago someone was like, "Oh, they got wooden swords. Now they're going to want to grow up and get real swords." Or now they're playing with toy guns. Are yeah. they going to go out and start shooting everybody? Everyone, um, you know, I had folks in my family when I was. Like ten or whatever, because mm-hmm. I had toy guns, because right. every boy did, and 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 at, at that time, you know, and it was like, oh no, you're gonna grow up to be a thug, or violent, <laughs> or whatever. And it's like, people have always been saying this, but I could understand now, maybe, maybe the first time we're like, maybe there's some validity to the classic, but maybe not. 
you know, I, I mean, because you're remember that um, that point you made about a lot of guys saying like, "Wow, this this virtual porn, VR porn, is different than other porn." Because I feel, I actually feel really dirty about this. Exactly, right? and that's the type A, the the right, one type of right. people, whether it's too real, and they uh-huh. go, "Oh, I, I don't want to do this in real life, so uh-huh. I obviously don't want to do this." But you know, it's super. I mean, but I would imagine no matter who you are, it's it's that stimulating, it's mm-hmm. that realistic, mm-hmm. and. Uh, so it means we have to be careful about who has access to it oh, if, absolutely. if they are a vulnerable group, like, say, children. Oh, yeah. But whereas before, you know, well, to buy this DVD, you have to be 17 or older. I have to check your ID at the Walmart or at the Toys R Us. That is a serious concern. You're, you're absolutely right. But That's Steam, you, who's... Well, Steam is all curated content, though, right? So, I mean, as far as adult stuff, but not violent stuff. But I'm saying... Yeah. How many parents are going to say to their kids, uh, when you buy games on Steam, I have to I have to check how you use the credits that I bought for you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, I, the parents aren't good. They aren't equipped to do this. No. So the kids are going to be buying every VR experience they can, including porn, including ultraviolent yeah. games. And the parents are going to be clueless uh, about one, that that's even happening. And two, how much more realistic it is, because, you know, you don't have to show what you're playing on your Sure. Screen. You just it brings Johnny in a could just be off new, of his VR headset. A whole new arena of security, a whole new arena of monitoring uh-huh. your kids to some extent. I mean, you know, you know, internet porn. Well, you know, it, it is not a great thing for people. Most people uh-huh. generally, but at the same time, you can always be like, ah, it's just it, it's a video or it's a magazine, yeah. some picture. Well, who cares? Yeah. It's innocent, or or you're playing a violent video game. It's got zombies and yeah. whatever. You know, it's just right. a game, but. But now, I mean, it goes beyond that at this point. And now it's just like, oh, well, you, impression young yeah. kids. You know, you're like, this is not just, oh, innocent kids being kids anymore. Yeah. This is not like, oh, I snuck I snuck over to my uncle's house and played Mortal Kombat on the NES. <laughs> this is pretty yeah. significant. Right. Um, and uh, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, it ushers in a whole new realm of like. It might oh, be another shit. reason why the Sony VR has an advantage because it's perceived one, I'm sure Sony will never allow mm-hmm. that level of content on theirs. On the and neither will Steam. But so and and so, what that kind of means is that. But on a PC, you could still. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. You don't have to use Steam right, VR. Right. Yeah. Um, but that that's a, that's going to bring in, I guess, a a uh, a category of of game systems or VR experience mm-hmm. systems headsets that offer only curated content, uh-huh. like the PlayStation right. VR, where as your parent, you could say. I could get them headset A, which is just on the PC, and they can load anything they want in there. Right. Or headset B that's tethered to this particular curated right. system, console or even PC, uh-huh. but just within a certain right. arena. Okay, well, I'm yeah. going to give them right. B, right? And so that's a niche that some hardware manufacturer could say, hey, I'm going to fill that niche. I'm right. going to be the leapfrog right. of VR experiences Or for kids. in this case, is Sony going to end up becoming the Nintendo a VR where parents are like, that's the brand I trust. Anything yeah. that comes out of that is going I'm to be I'm waiting for the Amazon popular. Kindle VR experiences <laughs> that yeah. bring like classroom game activities for kids <laughs> to learn. Because as yeah. I was talking about, like because of the presence, you yeah. build real right. memories, right? right? And so classroom experiences, you really, as as I said, like if a, if a, a whale comes up to you and starts talking about George Washington, you're going <laughs> to listen. And you're going to – like remember that time that whale was talking about George Washington? Oh, yeah. I remember all about that, right? And so you build these real interesting memories that it allow you to actually uh-huh. learn. And, I mean, that's going to be a, a – every every genre, every technology we have 
it's some way going to be like, oh, yeah, you could apply VR to that and do this new mm-hmm. thing um, that is different or maybe not better, maybe not worse, but different in this other way. Um, and it's it's interesting. Yeah, this is uh, – yeah, it's going to be so cool to revisit what we thought or what we worried about in like yeah, five to ten time years. capsule? Yeah. What a period of time like, capsule of just pictures of us playing on the Vive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pictures of – be like, can you believe they used to play – VR or use VR in a basement with a six foot six ceiling. <laughs> like, look at this artifact, this old controller. Look at how scarred. You have to hold it. Yeah. You have to play with your hands. Yeah, it's covered in like marks and stuff. What are these marks from? Were they chiseling things with it? Like, no, I think they were bashing it against their walls. Thing it out. Like, was he trying to chisel his ceiling with this with this controller? <laughs> this piece of plastic. I think were there, this was the f- first civilization, first culture to uh, use VR headsets to uh uh, rudimentary stone tools. I want to now <laughs> become an archaeologist, find a, a dinosaur bone, uh, I guess, fossil system, uh, put a, a, a Vive controller in his hands and then rebury it just go away. <laughs> and right. then years later, uh, dinosaurs had the Vive. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> they must have had the ability to move their eyes independently. In, people of the future are dumb. Basically what we're saying is we think people yeah. in the future, well, after all the nukes, right? History will be wiped. <laughs> Uh, that'll be the post-Trump era. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, we're not talking about that on here. But um, that, that that filled up most of the podcast. Okay. Well, let's, let's move on. Okay. It's not entirely VR. Uh, so, uh, so you were talking about uh, the Xbox announcement, or the in- indication, mm-hmm. but, uh, insinuation, as it were, about upgradable console hardware. Right, um, Phil Spencer's Phil comments. Phil Spencer, right, mm-hmm. right, right. Um, and my immediate thought was uh, Sega CD. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Petty Arcade had a pretty funny uh, comic about that. But uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, so my first inclination was to say, like, oh, you're just saying we're going back to PCs. Like, it's come full circle. There you go. Yeah, true. Um, with all of its issues, like, oh, well, how do you know what level of hardware this person has yeah. uh, how do you know that the video card is uh, is compatible with this particular issue like so maybe maybe he doesn't mean that level maybe of extensibility a few tiers or that you would say um all software written for the Xbox system from now on will always be compatible with the future systems um it'll it'll just won't look as Good. It won't be upgraded in any sure. way. It's just yeah, like yeah. it's just like It'll, how I can still throw in an old DOS game onto my Windows. As yeah, can. yeah, on, in, into my game, and I'll just have to like control how fast the megahertz are. On, mm-hmm. and, and but otherwise, it's essentially still the same thing. I didn't lose my library. Um, but then, when I'm buying future software with my old system, it'll say, "Oh, supports Xbox level twelve. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I'm not at Xbox level one. Um, so I guess, or recommended. I'm not sure how that would play out, but it does feel like to me that it's a um, it's a move to maybe possibly compete with a world where, say, Steam boxes are prevalent. Steam boxes are cutting in pretty yeah. heavily. Well, not not yet, but I mean, that's as far as living room PC ness, like, sure. like if their if their whole thrust was eventually to converge everything onto the Windows 10 platform, whether it's your phone. Whether it's your PC or your laptop, mm-hmm. your tablet or your console, they're all essentially running Windows 10. Mm-hmm. Is their vision 
their roadmap for the future. I mean, and it, you've got stuff on it there. It kind of works that Azure way Cloud. now. I mean, right. it's getting better and better right. as more it gets integrated. But, I mean, you're right. kind of – the future is kind of happening. Right. Yeah. And then in that world, well, in that Windows 10 world, they're like, we're not fixed to specific hardware mm-hmm. uh, programs. I mean, you don't have to have this layout. It doesn't have to be this chipset. It can be anything. And it's going to continuously update and grow over time. So why wouldn't the hardware do that too? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that makes sense. But then it, it just means we have to wrap our heads around this whole new paradigm of what is a console. It's just a set-top box that happens to fluctuate slowly it's, it's over time. It's a computer and just a different looking yeah, case. Yeah, it's that all, happens to set, really sit on top of my TV. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not specifically the Xbox. It's mm-hmm. just my... Windows You might have an Xbox brand of hardware. Right. Right. Or, you know, Microsoft manufactures these five different Xbox systems or mm-hmm. it's or maybe we're overthinking all of this and they just mean decals. Who knows? Right. Like it was just an insinuation of of hardware, right? But no real yeah. plan I, what it means is there. that the consoles never get leapfrogged. Yeah. Over time, you're like, oh, well, now I can buy a PC. Yeah. Cycle. Right. It's like, oh, why would you play this game on console when PC video cards have far outstripped it by now. You know, at the beginning of the original Xbox 360 generation, like Xbox was like, wow, for the for mm-hmm. a fraction of the cost, I can get a system as good as like the most advanced gaming right. PC out there. But by the end of the generation, it was like, I got a two yeah. uh, gigabyte video card. I mean, I just blow this thing out of the way, that's, out of the water. That, and, that's and that won't happen anymore. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it would still happen to, to some level, but you're absolutely right. It, 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 it would... Soften the development cycle. However, I have to wonder if – so you, you always have that big like, do we release on this platform? Do we wait and release on the next platform, right? Uh-huh. That's a constant thing. Are we suggesting now that that might happen five times per cycle once a year? Like do we wait? Do we release on version 4A or do we wait for uh-huh. the 4B stuff to right. hit so we can kind of tweak these things? And now what does that do? Does it, or does it does it make everyone more comfortable? Uh-huh. Oh, we're just going to release when we release. Right. Um, and, you know, that – because, I mean, I don't know. I can't say you will never find a group. You you will be hard-pressed to find a group more superstitious about upgrading mm-hmm. than game developers, <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> uh, it's people – People fear it. They don't want to do it. And for good reason. Yeah, it's I, because everything becomes unstable and I have to reinvent everything. And and I mean with the accelerated timetables mm-hmm. and the huge risk in game development, mm-hmm. people can't afford it, right? And so absolutely. So are you – is this suggesting <clears throat> that they're going to be introducing even more of that? Yeah. Are people going to want right. to do that? Or is it going to be more like basically forget the console upgrade cycle. It all becomes what's the direct X cycle. Mm-hmm. Am I waiting for the next version of DirectX, which allows our games to do this on all Windows-based platforms, whether mm-hmm. it's PC, laptop, their console, their phone, whatever. Sure. Um, I think, though, the... So I don't know. I I haven't followed that. I, it seems to be not very... It's not annual. DirectX, mm-hmm. what are we at? 11 or 12 now? 11? 11, I think. Yeah. So maybe 12 is but, out, but I've, n- I don't, don't you don't have it. a card that supports it yet. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not an annual thing. No. So, um, it wouldn't be that bad, but I think the thing it would do is that we would have to find a new way of introducing new IP because we generally, as traditional game developers, mm-hmm. wait for the new generation to come out when it's like, look, everyone's struggling with a new platform. Mm-hmm. So now's an opportunity for us to take some risks and introduce a new iteration, a new 
IP or a new play mechanism mm -hmm. that people aren't used to because they kind of want something novel uh, in the first place because they upgraded their hardware, everybody all at the same time. Mm -hmm. and they want something new and fresh. Uh, they're willing to take a gamble on a new IP. Whereas um, uh, if there is no big refresh of the marketplace, mm -hmm. then it's you're always going to be competing against Call of Duty 5 sure. or, or, you know, the whatever is dominant at the time. It's like, oh, it's just iterative. And they've had a chance to iterate for five versions. I'm just coming You'll out never right compete. now. Yeah. So um, again, that's why things like VR is so exciting to me is because it's a levels of play field. The big triple A's, they, they can't take that risk. They mm -hmm. can't make a big, huge triple A well, game again, because the market's not it, big enough. Well, that and they don't, so even, everybody else they don't even know what in. will be successful. Yeah. I mean, you just said it like Call of Duty is formulaic. They've got mm -hmm. it down to an art, mm -hmm. you know, the, um, Madden football, right? Everything. Mm -hmm. The only thing that changes everyone. The joke is the only thing that changes the roster. You're paying for new roster, right? It's it's formulaic that they know exactly how to build this game to satisfy a, a majority of their target audience, mm -hmm. and it's a system. It's a schematic, right? Yeah. But when it comes to maybe a new type of hardware, VR, AR, or just new release cycles or whatever shaking things up a bit, well, all of a sudden that doesn't fit into these plans. Mm -hmm. And other people can start saying like, oh, well, I'm going to try it this way and I'm going to try it that way because, you know, I couldn't compete with you on that playground, uh -huh. but now we're on this yeah, playground. Right. And and your previous experience isn't worth as much. Uh -huh. I'm not saying it's not worth much, right? Because, I mean, still, that that's a well-oiled team, right. right, that is great at producing content. But it's not worth as much. It's not insurmountable at this right. point. Um, and so you have folks that really can can get plucky and you know, yep. strike out and, and all of a sudden build something fairly mm -hmm. like unique, right? And it's it's pretty cool. It's it's a, you know it seems like every year for the past four years, you know I find myself saying, man, what a time to be a developer, right? <laughs> right. Because every year's had some yeah. something. Yeah. You know, like last year was like, oh, all the engines are free. And, you know, yeah. and this year is like the VR. Anyone can be successful, you know, because we don't really know. Uh -huh. and, you know, and, you know, so who knows next year? It's, it is, it's true. I mean, it's, it's, everyone's competing. Everyone's competing to make developers compete better, I guess, and stuff. And so it's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to no, throw on there? I think we've droned on enough. Yeah. We need a new set of topics. You play anything new? Uh, let's see. Did you put, try Duelist? Remember I, Duelist. It's, no, no, you did talk about it. Yeah, no, I haven't tried it yet. So refresh my... It's a card game slash... No, it's... It, yeah, well, it. Uh, I was comparing it to Hearthstone in that it's sort of, it has a, um, a mechanism where, the, yeah, you're collecting cards that allow you to play characters or spells. Um, but it's also sort of like any of those battle tactic type games that used to play on a Nintendo DS or... Um, you know, any like grid based, like put out your, yeah. uh, well, like Chroma Squad, I bet you is very similar to this. Yeah. You know? That just reminds me. So, Supercell, they make uh -huh. Clash of Clans. Uh -huh. Today, just before you came over, they launched their new title, which is kind of a deck building card game, but tower defense, where you're releasing, you're using them oh. to summon minions and attack oh. towers. We have to check it out. Like it sounds like it's right up um, my alley. 
So yeah, it just came. I can't think of it, something Royale or whatever. Okay. But uh, there's your plug. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just came out. I just downloaded. It. I played a couple of matches. Interesting. I don't like being rushed, but at uh-huh. the same time, I, it's something I could. Get it's behind. multiplayer, or is it against AI? It, it's multiplayer. So this time okay. you're actually playing real people, unlike okay. uh, Clash of Clans, where you're right. just AI controlling enemy right. structures right. and stuff like that. So um, interesting so far. But uh, but I have to check out Duelist. Yeah, Duelist. I love that grid based. Yeah. With a Y, right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's Duelist. The uh, I and the ist is actually a Y in this game. It's yeah. in beta right now. It's PC. Um, yeah, just look it I'll up. Check yes, it out. It, it's good. I just finished uh, Firewatch. Oh um, yeah, yeah. And really, I have mixed. I have mixed opinions of it. Okay. It's. Um, Really good. Start to finish. Enjoyed it. Every minute yeah. I was playing it. It's right. of the ilk of like the Stanley Parable, right? It's sort of like a first person, but it's more of a, a It's a, a It's a narrative kind yeah. of game. Uh-huh. Um, my big, my I guess my biggest problem is that um, it's it's kind of the, um, the, the Pixar rules of good story writing uh-huh. where you start with the ending and then you make the beginning and the middle fit the ending because the okay. endings are harder, right? That I feel that maybe they didn't do so great. So they did such a great job of of cultivating emotional attachments and also, I don't want to give too much away, but emotions about your environment, paranoia Uh a little bit, like thinking, am I just nuts? Like what is happening, right? And then at the end, they don't use any of it. Hmm. And that's what kind of stuck. Like there are so many ways that they could have multiple endings Mm -hmm. based on, because you have a lot of decisions to make and stuff like that. And, And it was... It was a good ending, but it could have been great, and it could have been tailored to the things that you do. You have a lot of agency within the game, right? The game remembers the decisions you make. Um, So it felt like all of this really cool agency, all this really cool decision building leads everyone to the same ending, and it's just like – and I don't want to – that wasn't bad because uh, Campo Santos, the the, the team that made this – I believe in an interview or or something they were talking about this and and this kind of understood that that's it's kind of in the same vein as Red Dead Redemption. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever played that game. Oh, uh, well, years ago, yeah. Whether you chose to be a good guy or a yeah, bad guy, yeah. it ended the same. You yeah. got you died right, at the end, right, right? right? And the fact of the matter is, is no, it doesn't matter what you do. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> welcome to life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, like yeah, the decision you make. They form your personal narrative. Uh-huh. The way the story is remembered by mm-hmm. you. However, we all end up six. You're not. <laughs> you're not God. The yeah. world doesn't isn't yeah. tailored to you. Uh-huh. These things happen, and uh-huh. that's it. And you only have control over what you do. You don't uh-huh. have control over what is done to you, uh-huh. right? And so it's not a super satisfying ending. It's a good ending, and uh-huh. it's a realistic ending, uh-huh. and it's an ending that you think, okay, that there's nothing wrong with this ending. Uh-huh. But there's still that part of you that's just like, but I wanted aliens or I wanted uh-huh. some, I wanted c- government conspiracy. I want, you know, and it's like, welcome to real life, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so I just finished that. I'll probably play it again because uh, see which decisions affect your intermediate and long-term surroundings and stuff like that. Beautiful game. Looks great. And it's not a, it's, it's a story game, but it's not about the end. Uh-huh. Play it to enjoy the time you're playing it because okay. that's really it's really fun. Okay, and uh, so it's in in that in that vein, the moments playing it are really enjoyable. 
And so you you don't find yourself looking back, be like, oh, remember when the ending went, or remember when mm-hmm. you were you're like, oh, remember in the beginning when I did this, or what you know. Yeah. And that's kind of the parts that stick with you okay. um, that are really really cool about it. So, um, yeah, playing that, playing some VR stuff. About to start uh, Witness, Jonathan Blow's game. Uh, I was going to ask you if you. Uh, I then, want to. Me and Kara want to play it, but I'm waiting for work stuff to settle a bit. Yeah, and when my work stuff settles a bit, I'm going to try out. Uh, Things called F- Flame in the Flood by the Molasses Flood, a group out of Boston. Oh, you mispronounced early. XCOM. What's that? You, mis- <laughs> you mispronounced XCOM. <laughs> you kill me. I, I played and beat XCOM too. Too, did you? Oh, yeah. yeah it was good? awesome. Yeah, good? a couple right. times actually. Really? Uh, yeah, I played a lot. <laughs> How do you find all this time? Uh, I don't sleep much. Wow. I sleep about four hours a night. Four well, okay, hours. that explains it. You yeah, don't need twice as much sleep as you do. So there's four <laughs> hours of gaming gone. Yeah, I try to. I try to have hobbies. I guess. <laughs> All right. Well, now with any other games? No. Well, you know, obviously StarCraft. I'm at ranked number one in my ladder right now. But uh, oh yeah, yeah. I like but how that long. you secretly play when the wife's not yeah, home yeah, now. <laughs> yeah. No, she knows. I'm allowed to as long as I'm willing to shut the game. Off or quit, the, uh, like just the she gets home. the second she gets home. You're a different person, man. <laughs> Violent. <laughs> All right. Well, that was unlucky episode number 13. Yeah, we survived. Where we, did we? This is going to be like a Bruce Willis moment, <laughs> Sixth Sense. We're going to go upstairs and Kara's going to be like, you were dead all along. Um <laughs> uh, you but, are in virtual reality. Yeah, real. I'm going to take the headset off, and I'm in some warehouse, <laughs> and I've, like, never been married, and all of this <laughs> is just made up. <laughs> We've been talking into an 8-track recorder the whole That's time. That's right. Oh, Lucid God. dreaming. No. it's We're in the 70s. That <laughs> LSD stuff is really yeah. good. Because, you know, the beginning of time was when the first console came out in the 70s. So we just looped right back. We're in the Matrix, <laughs> circling back to the beginning of video games. We're getting deep now. Yeah. This <laughs> So uh, throwing a looper reference, we can call it a night. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that is uh, Mike's video game podcast episode 13. I'm Mike Guy. I'm Mike Wu. And uh, can we make a cheat? We always make a cheesy joke and then laugh when we turn this off. I thought we just did like 30 seconds ago. <laughs> no. <laughs> Is that our cheesy joke? Uh, uh, oh, hey, wait, wait. Okay, I got a, I got a question for you. Here's, sure. here's my cheesy joke to end this one. Uh-huh. Why can't a T Rex clap its, uh, clap its hands? Why can't a T Rex clap its hand? I don't know why. Well, can, <laughs> the, what's the obvious reason a T Rex can't clap its hands? Its arms are too tiny. No, because it's dead. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>